It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Episode 30 of the Rex Chapman Show with super cool Josh Hopkins. That's me. My guy. My yeah. guy. You've been away for a bit. I'm been so happy to have you back. And uh, our, our, happy to be back. our listeners don't know because we haven't said anything, but uh, your father passed away. And I wanted to talk for a second about your father, um, Larry Hopkins. Served in the military, congressman in Kentucky. For years, uh, one of the sweetest men ever, one of the kindest, and one of the most fun people ever. And I know it's been a rough month or t- a month or so, and I just want to tell you I love you, and I'm happy that you're back. I thank you, Rex. Um, you have been very supportive. I really appreciate you. It has been tough. You know, it's a rite of passage, I guess, for all of us, but it doesn't make it any easier. He and I were really close and uh, I miss him. And that's a wake up. Fun man, a fun man. And I I would like for you to tell, uh, because you'll tell it better, just one little anecdote that's one of my favorites about uh, your dad picking you guys up from school. and you're riding in the car, listening to a song from the eighties. Uh, oh, I know by, what you're talking about. Yeah, please, please. I mean, this is just it's so small, but something that just the way he would tease without people knowing, like I'd have friends in the car and it was cool in the gang playing. And I loved cool in the gang. And I was like, this is so cool. I'm cool. And he was like, he was like, Oh, is this cool in the bunch? And I was like, dad, it's cool in the gang. And every time they play, is this cool in the bunch? <laughs> took me, I was so young and dumb, took me years to realize he was taking the piss out of me. But yeah, it was a, oh, it was a so good, smart, Such a funny, fun man, funny, great guy. I'm just very lucky that he was my father and I uh, appreciate all your support. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Um, okay. So uh, I, I, I'm going to guess you've been pretty busy. Have you had a chance to read anything? Book club? Let's do book club. I did actually. I actually look at this right here, just holding up. I use this to hold up my um, microphone. So book club, actually. So I have this Barack Obama book and I haven't read it, but I have it. Oh, so I don't really have anything for I haven't read anything really. But but what about you? You got anything? No, I really don't. Holiday season, all of that. Been kind of busy. Uh, Really just haven't haven't had a chance to do anything like I don't even have time to tweet. Oh yeah. You don't. Yeah. No, no. Can't find the time. Hmm. So that seems like if, if between every show, if I've read all your tweets, then I should say I've been, I've read, I've yeah. read the, well, the, this week's book by informed. Rex Chapman. Yeah. 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 Technically. Channel. Josh, this is episode 30. 
30. Uh, the Steph Bernard Curry. King episode. Steph. The Curry. Curry. The Curry's. Billy Owens, one of my former oh, teammates. The, 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 the orange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, bro. Let's get into this. Ken episode. Griffey Jr. We, Ken Griffey Jr. Ah. Reds, you know. Very nice. Closest team to us. Very nice. Um, we've got a great guest today. And uh, I, I want to get into it. We'll get into it a little bit more on the other side. But one of the best analysts in basketball uh, works for the Phoenix Suns still and been their analyst for the last decade or more um, and was an all time NBA player. Most points scored by any bench player. Almost 20,000 points. We got Eddie Johnson. Jump shot, Eddie Johnson. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Ready? Yes, sir. Edward Arnett Jr. Is it Arnett or Arnett? Arnett. It's Arnett. Arnett. That's what we thought. But I'm not a junior, so just, just go with the I mean, I, I mean, Edward Arnett Johnson. Edward yeah, Arnett now, hold up. See, see, I kept that middle name secret for years, right? <laughs> but I Me? finally, it, it's almost like this, right? Like, you know, when you're young, you're, like, kind of shy about saying certain things. Like... Yep. Like, you know, a lot of people were shy about telling somebody they loved them, right? I yep. mean, you know, some people were. And so you have to work your way through that. Now I tell everybody I love them, right? right. Uh, people like us, was hard. it was hard for us to stand in front of a crowd and talk. Yep. And so I finally just said, you know what? I'm just an open book now, man. I want to leave everything behind. So Arnett, yeah. Arnett, yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I'm Everett, so I get it. I had the All same right. thing. I'd be like... What's your, they'd be like, what's your middle name? First, they're like, is it Rex or is it Rexifer? Or I'm like, no, it's Rex. And then they say, what's your middle name? I go, Everett. And they'd say, Everett? Everett? What is that? So I, I, I feel you. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I, I got my Twitter back on. That's like my lifeline. I didn't know that. But yeah. other than that, so, man, family's great. I'm, I'm great. So you got hacked recently. Yeah. Dumb yeah, I've always wondered how that how that happens. How, how uh, because I was dumb. Hold, uh, <laughs> I, I'll give you a combination of two things. I was dumb and I was greedy. How about that? Mm, mm. You know, okay. and, and I like when I go and talk to companies and, and all that. I always tell them just be happy with what you have. Leave something behind because you can't take anything with you. And I got you know somebody got in touch with me in my DM. And they said, hey, man, you know, I think you would be a good influencer for my product. I'd like to send you shoes. You just take a picture of them and just, you know, post them. And that's all. I'm like, yeah, no big deal. Because I don't go buy shoes. Anymore. Right, like, right. I got, I got shoes free when I played. I can't get them free. I, I'm not buying them. So Same. I'm like, cool. So next thing I know, I pushed the buttons. I signed in to the website and everything and just bam. Total control of my Twitter went away. And I knew it immediately. I knew. I mean, so did you go and try and tweet and it just didn't work? No, it basically, my Twitter was up alongside, you know, I had two windows up. And as soon as I did it, it just took it. I'll be damned. And so, so what happened from there? Changed my, I, well, immediately it changed my email, so I couldn't go in there. And re, I, I mean, I went straight to settings to see if I can jump them before they changed the email. And as soon as I got that email was changed. Oh, my God. And once the email was changed, then you can't go in, 
you know, and, no. and reset it. You can't reset your password. And back then at that time, I just immediately went to, you know, help through Twitter and just told them what just happened. And it took a couple of days for them to get it done and got it mixed up with me and the other Eddie Johnson, as a lot of people still do. Oh, if you peruse the internet, you will find it still. You know, and I made a lot of money. I've sued a lot of people, and they paid up, too. And I just tell people, keep making that mistake. I got a lawyer that likes money. And every time you make that mistake, he's going to be knocking on your door. And over the last 10 to 12 years, at least 13 to 14 entities had to pay up. We were just talking about this, Eddie, uh, uh, before you came on. And you know what I didn't know? I didn't know this was Frankie's brother. Yeah. Yeah, Frankie's brother. I didn't know this. Yeah. Um, we got to explain this a little bit to people listening. Yeah. They don't they don't know. There was let, another let it, Eddie Johnson yeah. NBA player. Yeah. No. And yes, I yes, played sorry. against him. Yes, I yeah. played against him. Uh, yeah. Very good player. And uh, I was in Hawaii. And uh, on a family vacation. And I landed back in Phoenix. Four or five years retired, Eddie. I was. Uh. Yeah, maybe yeah, a couple of years okay. retired. Yeah. And my phone was just blowing up. And I ignored it at first. I was like, you know, I'm back in town. I'm not paying attention to the phone. But it kept blowing up, kept blowing up. And I finally looked. And people was like, you okay? What's wrong? I mean, what happened? I mean, I'm like, what are they talking about? And then Mike Woodson, who, you know, one of my best friends in the world, head coach of University of Indiana, called me up, hysterical. Like, what is going on? What, where are you? Um, I just landed back from Hawaii. He said, yeah, I figured that. Turn on the radio. And I turn on the radio and I go to, uh, I think, uh, Skip Bayless is filling in for, uh, forgot the guy's name, Jim Rohn. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I turn the radio on, he's destroying him. Like, oh my I can't God. believe the Suns hired him. I can't believe he was like, he's, he's a pedophile. Because that's what, what the Eddie Johnson yes. get arrested for. Right. I cannot believe that. And, you know, he is worse. I mean, just he went all in on me. And I'm saying to myself, if you read the article, which I did went to, it says Eddie Johnson, University of Auburn, six foot two. So if anybody knows me, I'm not six yeah. foot two. I didn't go to Auburn, went to Illinois, and he just went all in. And then from there, the Chicago Tribune, who I just did an article for, uh, I'm from University of Illinois. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a very pleasant, positive article they wrote on me. Some somebody, some junior person in the back room in a cubicle, all of a sudden didn't read the article. And so then he changed it from Eddie Johnson, University of Auburn, to Eddie Johnson, University of Illinois. <laughs> That's the Chicago Tribune. I'll be damned. And then so, you know, if you're a, a newspaper, if you're going to jump on it, then you're going to see the Tribune wrote it. And so it just mm -hmm. was all over. And then it got to a point, I think, where, you know, CNN got it and a lot of a lot of TV people got it, and then Fox, I heard, they were ready to run a, a story. They had, like, did all their research on me, and they were about ready to go, like, break Oh, my news. God. Good for them, they, they did. Good for them, they did. Good for I'd them, they a, did. I'd have a nice piece of Fox right now. <laughs> 
So, uh, man, I'm so sorry, man. Now, you know, just look, brutal. I, man, you know, things happen. I mean, I was the only thing I was worried about at the time was just, you know, like, do I need to kids. go, do I need to go get my friend Smith and my other friend Weston? Because yeah, I didn't know yeah. crazy people, right? I didn't right. know, you know, because yeah. I was my website got over a million hits in an hour. So, you know, I mean, that, you know, so that it was, yeah, it was weird. But, you know, like, again, uh, I got through it. Well, you know, a lot of entities, you know, gave out apologies and they did all that along with a check. Yeah. You know what, though, Eddie? <laughs> yeah. Kudos to you, though. I mean, sitting here talking about this and and your perspective on it, uh, just like. We talked earlier about uh, getting hacked. You all immediately looked inward and said, eh, and my greed, my greed got me hacked. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's just a, a beautiful perspective. Eddie, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I was telling the guys before you came on that, you know, you came into the league in 1981. Uh-huh. And by the time I came in, I was, it was 88. You were, but you, you were also, you know, in college four years. Yeah. You know, so you guys were considerably older than I was as I was the youngest player. And I just remember it being such a, I told him, I said, Eddie was an absolute motherfucker to play. <laughs> and, and really you taught, I remember several things. I remember learning things, you know, as we go, I remember just, you know, not that you guys were telling me, but just from the experience of playing against you, um, you probably weren't considered a great defender. Right. But after I, I, nor was I, and, but after playing against you, I remember going in after the game and it looked like a werewolf had scratched. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but from that, I, I learned right away, hey, this is different. You got to hold and grab in this league. And if you don't do that, you're not going to survive. Yeah. And, but those were hard lumps to take, but I definitely remember learning that directly from you early on in my career. And I also think people don't understand just, you know, how good you were, you know, never make an all-star team. That's the other thing I see guys and I don't want to, there's been guys in recent years, make all-star teams. That I go back and I'm like, that guy is an all-star when Eddie Johnson never made an all-star team. Yeah. Do you yeah. do the same? Oh yeah. Uh and just to really go back on your on on like, you know, Rex, look, we all could play D, but they're judging us against other guys that's in the league. Right. And just like you and I could play O. And we were better than a lot of them guys that tried to play O. Right. So what they do is always try to find a reason to keep you where you are, you know, and I took pride in trying to defend, but honestly, man, most of my energy was exhausted on offense because when I was on the court, that was my job description. Yeah. Yeah. But I always paid attention to detail. Uh, I, I interviewed Vernon Maxwell the other day and he said on the show, he said, hey, I hated you. I'm like, wow, yeah. you know, he said, man, you always hit me. And I said, but, you know, I wasn't known as a defender, Vernon. He's like, please. I mean, like, I would hit people. I was yeah. stronger than guys that I guarded. And, and you were big. You were 6'7", yeah. man. I mean, yeah. man, that's that, – yeah. people don't understand. Yeah. And so they and were long. like, 
you're right, Rex. Native Florida just say, well, you could you could score, but you couldn't defend. And I remember playing against Larry Bird my second year. He was always talking so much trash to me. And he taught me how to trash talk. I mean, Larry Bird basically taught me how to trash talk. <laughs> and, and so there's one particular one game in Boston, he just worked me over, man. Like I went out for the jump ball, and it was my second game of my career and Cotton Fitzsimmons started and I'm scared to death already you know not just a bird but you right. know I played against McHale in college so he was cool but Robert Parrish I mean Dennis Johnson I'm looking at all these dudes man and I'm you know I'm intimidated I had played against Danny Ainge in college mm -hmm. so but Bird walks out at the jump and the veterans on my team said Eddie just don't pay attention to him fine <laughs> So I mind my own business on the jump and he walks out and he just stands next to me and he leans over and he looks at me. And I didn't pay him any attention. He said, do you honestly think you're going to guard me? Like, Curse that. I'm like what? I just didn't say nothing. Then he stands up and he looks over at our bench and he looks at Kyle. You all think this rookie going to guard me? Man, I'm going to bust you up just right in my ear. And I'm just looking forward. I'm like, and so by that time, all the guys on the floor is just cracking up, even my teammates. So I'm like, would this official please throw this ball up? <laughs> so the, the official couldn't throw the ball up because there was something going on on the side. So then finally he walks around, stands in front of me, he said, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to wear your ass out. And then I looked at him. I said, I'm here. Don't worry about it. I said, you ain't intimidating nobody. I said, I'm from Chicago. Where you from? He started laughing. Game starts, and he's just wearing me out. Okay? And I'm trying to go back at him. I'm shooting bricks. And in the fourth quarter he was in, it was late. Game was kind of close. And he came down. He said, you talking all that junk. I bet you can't do this. And he raises up from Steph Curry range. And he shoots an air ball. And I look at him, he's like, that don't matter. It's the fact that I can do it and stay in the game. I bet you can't. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So that stuck with me. Later on that year, I had it rolling. I was playing better. Comes to Kansas City, starts on me again. Like, okay. And so that time I'm going at. And one time I said, I'm gonna get it. I said, I'm so tired of his mouth. So I drive, I give him an up fake, he goes for it. And I come up and I catch him right in his mouth. And I laid it in for an and one, and they called a foul on him. So we're on the free throw line, and he says to me, you, that's all you can do is score. You can't defend anybody. I said, I can do one other thing, though. What's that? I can make you bleed. Because mouth was bleeding. <laughs> so he didn't like that. So after the game, I'm in there getting dressed and everything, mm -hmm. you know, and he walks into our locker room. And he knew Jerry Reynolds. So that was his reason to walk into the locker room. Ice, right? Yeah, Jerry, no, 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 Jerry Reynolds, the coach. Oh, the coach. The Sacramento, coach. yeah. Gotcha. And uh, so 
he walks in and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, and because uh, I had total, had total respect for him. Still yeah. do. One of my favorite yeah. players ever. Love him to death. He taught me so yeah. much. But he walks over to me. And I'm like, is this fool going to try to fight me in here? Because I'm ready to go. I ain't running for nobody. And he looks at me. And he reaches into his pocket. And he pulls out his keys. You know, back in the day, you know, they didn't have yeah. a key card. They had the big room keys, big right? Keys. Yep. He tosses me his room key. Why don't you come by the hotel? You and I can finish it alone. And we'll see who can make somebody bleed. <laughs> I, I started laughing. I said, yeah, right. I said, I have your little bitch, you know what, screaming. And he said, no, no, let's do it. I'm like, please. I said, Mikhail and Paris will probably be around the corner ready to help you. And when I said that, he started laughing. And he looked at me, he said, you know what, I like you. And he left. That's so great. <laughs> that's a great, that's great. That is fucking great. See the and best after that, you ever played against? And, yeah, and after that, believe it or not, he never trash talked. Wow. It's so great. He never it's so great. Talk. He just he brought out of me what I was holding in. And every time I saw him after that, I thanked him. That's it. Man. I, Man, you taught me a lot when I first got in the league. so great. I, yeah. I remember, Eddie, I remember stepping out on the floor with him the first time. And I didn't like him. Like, I was a Dr. J mm-hmm. magic kind of guy. And I just didn't like him. Everybody else liked him. So I yeah. naturally, I guess I wasn't going to like him. I stepped out on the floor. And, like, I'm 6'4", you're 6'7". Uh-huh. You're 6'7", he's 6'9 or 10", and big. Big as a doorway. You know, people don't understand how big that man was yeah. and just how skilled, right? Yeah. Insane. The Rex Chapman Show, powered by Basketball News, is sponsored by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. It's daily fantasy simplified. Did you know that, Josh? I didn't. I like simplified and I like fantasy and I like daily. Go on, Rex. <laughs> it's just you versus the projected numbers, Josh. You can pick from two up to five players and an over-under on their projected stats for a single game and win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals, Josh. I like the sound of this. I like the sound of this. You'll, you like where it's going. Well, Prize yes, Picks allows mixed sports entries offering every sport you can think of, NBA, college basketball, the NFL, soccer, MMA, and more, but not Pinochle. Did you know that? They don't <laughs> offer Pinochle. Wow, no, they should no. get on that. Your prize picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, Josh. You can take the over on Joel Embiid's rebounds combined with the under on Alex Ovechkin's point total. If you want. So cool, right? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Dig it. You can receive a match on your deposits up to $100 using our exclusive promo code NEWS. That's promo code NEWS for an instant 100% deposit match on up to $100. Guess what else? Prize Picks has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app available in the App Store and Google Play. How important growing up was it uh, playing sports for kids like you and Isaiah? Thomas, Mark McGuire, uh, in the housing projects. 
in Chicago. Oh, man. Now, look, that's how you survive. You know, you have to do two things. One, you you had to really work your way into working out and going to play because you always had to navigate the game back in the day, living up in the city. And you had to develop a reputation that, you know, you were not going to get involved in what they were doing. And the only way to do that was really show a commitment to your sport and just stay by yourself. And for me growing up, I had obviously older brothers that looked out for me. And unfortunately they were in gangs and they were able to keep guys off of me. And, and Isaiah had brothers and his mom was no piece of work. Well, she didn't play and Mark McGuire the same way. Uh, and I grew up in Cabrini Green, uh, and then we moved to the west side of Chicago, and that's where, you know, Isaiah and Mark were. So we had interactions, but we didn't know anything about each other uh, wow. growing up. Uh, but and There was no AAU, really, right? No AAU. No, you could, no. yeah. Okay. My AAU was right across the street, a uh, high school called Austin High School. I would go over there, and that was like my domain go over there and play, regardless if it was snow, rain, whatever, uh, we played. And I remember one day, one of the guys that played up there, he said, and this is how, this is about my junior year of high school. So by that time, I'm like, you know, all state, like top player in Illinois and all of that. And he said, I got somebody that'll teach you. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I said, bring them. I would take on all the comments. And mm-hmm. so he brings them up to the court, and he's about – I don't know, six feet, 5'11", maybe, 5'11", at the time. And we go one-on-one. And you know how you messing around with Rex at first, like, eh, you know, let's play around with you. And and I and, and I did the same thing later in life with Steph. And I want to tell you about that story. But, okay. Uh, but, yeah, so we start playing, and he blows past me, lays it up. Like, All right, little kid can play. You know, nice, little, nice move, little kid. He looked at me. Okay. Then he goes and he, he give me a step back, pulls back, and he hits a bucket. And I'm like, before it was all, before I got, like, woke up, the kid, he was up 6 nothing. I'm like, okay. Hey, hey, oh. So I stop him, you know, and I'm scoring, I'm scoring. Now he's like a maybe 6-3. And then he gets the ball back and works me. Now, we played a game of 12. All of a sudden, he had nine. Now, by this time, I'm trying to play. And I'm like, okay. And his, his uncle over there talking junk. So I went to the old man stuff. Start backing him down. Backing him down. <laughs> gangster them. Just dunking on him. Gangster them, right? And so it was like 11 all. And it's game point. And I had the ball. And I'm like, I'm not giving him this ball back. So I just totally gangster. Just backed him down, backed him down, backed him down. Hit him, knocked him out the way, laid it in. And... And he looked at me. He, was, he didn't like it either, right? And I'm like, Uncle comes over like, yeah, he scared you, didn't you? know, uh, that's going to be one of the greatest players ever. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, he can play, without a doubt. You know, I got my own ego then. You know, I'm uh, like, hey, yeah. I'm going to be one of the greatest. Of course. Right? It was Isaiah Tom. <laughs> it was Isaiah. <laughs> to this day, he brings it up. Isn't that amazing, though, Eddie, that, that you know, because we played against, you know, the best of the best. And I'm sure, you know, it's hard to see it from our perspective. I'm sure we're the best players for a lot of, lot of guys that, you know, faced yeah. up against us growing up. 
But when we see somebody that is actually better than us at some point, you as a player, you never can accept it. Like I couldn't accept that Michael was better, you know, when you're going against him, playing against right. him every night. Later on, you realize, well, he was Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's just fascinating. When you see somebody that can bust you up if he's trying and you're and you're trying, it's eye opening. You know. Right? You know, I mean, it's like your kids get to you like, you know, uh, like my son could never beat me. Then eventually, you know, I couldn't beat him, you know, and I retired. He's kicking my butt. And yeah, but just to go back and finish what you you brought up, Mark. So, yeah. So Isaiah went to St. Joseph. Mark went to the school that we were playing at Austin High School. And I was at Westinghouse High School. And we played against Mark uh, his junior year in the playoffs. He gave us like 40. You know, we beat him, but he was – we. I mean, just going against him, I was like, this dude's ridiculous. Big ass and hands, right? Just, he had everything, hands. right? So, I yeah. mean, what what we saw with Mark Aguirre in the NBA, he was doing this in high school. Damn. And and so so definitely he would have been a one-and-done guy if guys were yeah. doing that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, straight from high school, not one-and-done, straight from high school. But then he decided to, because they couldn't beat anybody. He's really the only one. So he transferred to Westinghouse. So he and I played together for a year. Damn. We were 29 and 0. We lost the championship game oh. in the city because we didn't have a point guard. It still hurts, right? We didn't have a point guard, man. It they trapped hurts. us. They trapped us the entire game. Every time we got it across half court, we scored. I was like 12 for 13. Mark was like 13 for 14. But they stole the ball about 15 times. <laughs> so our point guard just couldn't get the ball up the court. And um, one of the biggest upsets ever in, like, in Chicago uh, playoff history. But I was on a team, if you all remember, the Paul game teams, obviously, with Mark oh, yeah. Ryan, Skip Dillard, Ty Corbin, Bernard Randolph. Those, we Ty were all Corbin. high school teammates. But Ty was oh, really? from South Carolina. I was okay, yeah. But Skip Dillon Paul, and, yeah. and and Bernard Randolph, they were all we were all on the same high school team. Gosh, damn. Yeah. So yeah, so it's and then you know, Mark and I just battled obviously in the pros and Isaiah as well, but we we're all very good friends. Amazing. Amazing. Hey, when did you realize that you were uh you know, you said by the time you were a junior, you're probably the best player in the state. When did you realize that you were you know, as a kid that, oh, okay, I'm, I'm good at this. I'm better than, you know, everybody in my grade and I can play up with, when was that? And I know for me, I'm sorry. And I I know for me, like I got, I felt good, you know, cause I could do something, you know, a little bit better than everyone else that gave me some pride. So I'm just wondering for you, when did, when did you realize, oh shit, I'm, I'm good. End of my freshman year in high school, uh, I basically almost got cut my freshman year. Uh, They only kept me because my brother had just left Austin High School. He's one of the top players in the state. And he had just uh, went to Texas A&M on a scholarship. And so uh, that's why Weston House held on to me uh, because they like, this kid can develop. I was gang. How big were you? How big were you? I was probably freshman, maybe 6'2". But I, I, I was, but obviously, you know, I'm six, eight and a half, you know, when yeah. I got to my type. So I was just still clumsy and gangly. And I, I just, you know, guys were knocking me around. I wasn't mm-hmm. really that big. I was about 170 pounds. And so 
he almost cut me. And uh, and so he said, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to keep you. And so you just need to work. And and I just worked. I just worked. Uh, the first 20 games, first 12 games of Fox Hall. I mean, I took off so fast, man. It was ridiculous. Really? I was by the, by the 20th game, Fox Hall, I was on varsity. I went from getting wow. cut, almost getting cut, and I was on varsity playing in the playoffs. <laughs> and then the next year, you know, that's when I started making all city. And, and I just, I went from like averaging like eight point, like eight points early to like 15 and then like to 28 and averaging 15 rebounds in the span of four or five months. I, it just was literally crazy. You know, but things open up for you. And even then, though, I didn't think NBA wasn't totally on my radar, Rex, when I went to Illinois. I had a great career. I just felt like when I got to my junior, late my junior year of college, that's when I said, okay, I got a chance. But up until then, and it worked out well for me because it made me focus on other things that I had to balance it with. And that's making sure I got my degree. Uh, setting it up for the future and what I wanted to do. Uh, I started to focus on all those things, uh, working in a law firm. Uh, I was basically pretty much accepted to go to Illinois Law School. So it was like, I was ready. Like, if I did not make it, I was going somewhere else. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, when I went to Kansas City, you know, then I saw I can compete with them guys. Then law school went out the window. (laughs) Man, it's just so that's I, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. But it, it just speaks to because, you know, and I, I never thought about it. I was just going to play basketball. and That's what I was going to do forever. Never thought about having doing something, anything yeah. else. And, you know, in our league, most of the guys, well, still, most of the guys are pretty much that way. Yeah. And that you had and that you had it. That sort of. Well, that perspective. I'm scared, at, man. At like 22, I, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. I'm scared, man. I knew that I had to take care of my mother some way, man. Wow. And you know, she raised seven kids virtually by herself. So I knew that I, I was that ticket, and I was going to be that ticket in a legal way. Yeah, yeah. Right? not an illegal way, but a legal way. And then that was that was my mission. How do you keep that, you know, focus early? I mean, you said Cabrini Green. I mean, that's notorious as one of the toughest places to grow up of all time. How do you keep that focus when all that is around you? It was extremely tough. Uh, Again, the balance of my brothers protecting me. They were game bangers. So they told guys to leave me alone. Uh, And, you know, it's just my mom just kept the reins on me. Uh, And. You know, and I think when they see you always on the court shooting, they, they tend to start to not bother you. I mean, I was accosted growing up by gangs, got beat up by gangs, uh, threatened me, telling me I better show up to meetings. You know, I got robbed at gunpoint maybe five or six times in my life by gangbangers, shot at. Uh, but then, you know, I realized that in order to stay away from that stuff, I always got to be where I need to be. And so what I would do, like for me, high school, I went to one party in high school. That's it. I didn't see daylight. I didn't see daylight for four years of high school in the in the school year. I did not see daylight. We had practice at 7 a.m. We go to school and we're going home at six, dark. 
I got time to do my homework, get up, repeat it. So I went to my, my high school prom. That was the only thing I went to. And I took that to the University of Illinois. Didn't go out, didn't hang out, uh, kept to myself. And so along the way, Rex, you know this, the way I survived is I just dropped people that didn't want to climb that ladder with me. You know, I didn't bring friends with me like a lot of these yeah. guys who come to the league. They're bringing guys with them. I didn't have anybody to bring. I had like two friends left. You know, because they weren't climbing that ladder. They didn't want to do what I wanted to do. And I, I used to go back to the neighborhood and say hi to them, and they still write the same name. You know, so that that was just my thought process. I'm glad that's beautifully said because I, I think it, it, it'll give people a window. And I was saying this right before you came on. When you laced up to play against Eddie Johnson, you better bring your lunch pail because he's all business. And that's what you were. Now, you know, we played against guys who, yes. you know, they're going to they're gonna maybe take eight or nine shots tonight, right. get their little something. No, you were out there to do your job, and that was to put it in the basket. Yeah. It was to compete. And you, I just knew as, a, as an opponent that when I was <laughs> – I better, I better be up on how well you're playing, how well you're shooting it, mm-hmm. uh, how, what kind of rhythm is he in, uh, because if you weren't ready – it was going to be a long night and yeah. you were all business. And I always respected the shit out of that. I remember telling you something and that, I don't know if it was after a game or you were like over in street clothes, <laughs> but I remember giving you some advice. You probably don't remember it, but it had to do with something that you could not stay away from as an athlete on the floor. You would always I think I remember. I think I remember that did you tell me I got a pump fake? Well, I, not even that. I told you stop jumping so high on your shot. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because you were spraining your ankle. And, and I said, I said, you can't, don't, man, you don't need to jump that high. I said, you, you the, and the only reason I told you is because early in my career, I did the same thing. Because, you know, guys would block would block your shot. They'd be great athletically, so you have to force – and you're young, too, so you would force mm-hmm. yourself to jump higher than you normally do. And I just said, just be careful, man, because when you jump that high, guys get up under you. You're coming down a little bit heavier. Like, I would jump like this high. And I would yeah. go down on people's feet, but I'm not coming down with a lot of weight. And so yeah. I, could, I could get out of it. And – and I remember, I think you wore like low cuts or something. You didn't wear yeah, I tried to for a while. Yeah, and it's I, like, I had and I, yeah, and I, and I, I used to watch you. And I was like, if I ever got the chance to tell them, because I learned, Rex, from like from guys in front of me. It's like, you know, I know we get on people, to these kids today, where we say, man, y'all love each other too much. Y'all, you know, but yeah. it's not their fault totally. They grew up in AAU and that brought them together. But, we communicated too. People just didn't see it. Right. And we always like, like for me, like I got so tired of Kiki Vandeway and Purvis Short working me over. <laughs> like I told my assistant coach, Frank Hamblin, you know, he's passed away, you know, Frank Hamblin, assistant coach mm-hmm. Cotton for many years, yep. and Phil yep. Jackson won ch- championships. I said, Frank, man, what, what am I not doing that they're doing to me? And he said, their footwork and he said you know I gotta get you and I said well where are they working this how did he say he knew and I said you gotta get me in this camp man 
the I'm big like, man's camp. I mean, you, yeah, man, you got to get me in this camp. And so my second year, they got me in. I called and begged Pete Noon let me in. He was hesitant to let me in. And he said, you got to work hard. You get in, young man. I, I'll be the first one there, last one to leave. And I got there, and they treated me like a rookie in that camp. So Akeem was there. I mean, there's all kind of guys were there, right? Yeah. So uh, Rodney McCray, you know, and Purvis, and, and, and obviously Kiki and the poster boys. And we just go at it like three hours a day, one-on-one, just one-on-one footwork, three hours, twice a day, like for seven days. Was and it in Hawaii? L.A. L.A. And this, oh, L.A. LA. It was in L.A., UCLA. And they just embarrassing me, working me over, and I'm just watching them and learning. And I was nine points a game after my rookie year. When I went back the second year, Average almost 20. And I remember Kiki and Perv was like, yeah, you got it now, don't you? <laughs> you know? But they had no issue with it. You know, it was yeah. like, you know, good. You know, good for it's you. So good. Kiki and I are great friends to this day. Purvis as well, man. I, and so, you know, I, I man, I, they're, the, they're the reason why I propelled myself in the NBA. Those two dudes. Those are two dudes that I battled with. You know, and so, yeah, so, you know, they, so we do have, we have the, we had a closeness. And so I took what they did and I would talk to guys like yourself. I, I talked yeah. to Malik Sealy. One time, man, Malik Sealy's, I think, rookie year, I beat him up so bad in the preseason game. I must have been in a bad mood somehow. I, I, <laughs> I was just throwing him all over the court. And like, what you going to do? What you going to do, rookie? And he didn't say a word to me. And I could see I was affecting him. Yeah. And and so it was like, okay, I backed down a little bit. And then after the game, I went up to him. I said, Malik. And obviously Malik is not here. Tragic, right. tragic accident. But I said, Malik, look, don't ever let another veteran do to you what I did. I said, this is preseason. Man. I said, don't do that, man. Don't back down. And he looked at me. And I think he's kind of emotional. He's like, okay, cool. All right. It was like he was just giving me too much respect. Right. You know, I had right. made a name for myself and I'm playing. And he did. I said, no, bro. It ain't about that, man. And so, yeah. So, you know, you, you give guys advice. It's so great. It yeah. is so great. I mean, because, you know, when it when you boil it, people don't understand. It's one thing to play if you're good. It's one, you know, growing up. It's one thing to play. Right against guys a couple grades older than you, uh-huh. maybe even three, maybe even four. But all of a sudden, you're 20 and you're playing against guys that are 30 and 35 that have been doing this job for yeah. years, a job that you're still just learning. You don't even, yeah. you're not very, not even adequately really qualified. Yet. Right. I mean, yeah. So, I, I, so many of you guys uh, helped me along. Eddie, I can, we can talk about, you all day. I want you to come back and talk some more, but I, I, we got to talk about the Suns. Right. Got to talk about the Suns for a little bit and the league and what's going on right now. Um, what's been the biggest, you know, in the last three years, what's been the biggest two or three of the biggest things that have contributed to uh, where the franchise was in Phoenix and where it is today? 
Well, obviously, you know, 10 years, 10 straight years since the Steve Nash era, it basically been in the basement. We didn't make the playoffs, struggled, uh, made a lot of player changes, coaching changes, just couldn't get stable. And I think the best thing to happen, and, and I understand familiarity is important, uh, getting somebody that's had championship experience is important. And I think hiring James Jones, uh, a player that wasn't a household name, uh, but he was a household name at the end of the bench. Yeah. In the minutes that he got. And then when he was sitting down there, you know, Rex, he wasn't that guy down there complaining. Yep. Making it, making it worse. He was a guy down there encouraging. And that leadership principle, I think, really helped him. Uh, I got familiar with James when he played for the Suns, and I was impressed with him and how he carried himself. Uh, and then going out and hiring Monty. That right there, man. Monty has yeah. failures in other places. Obviously, he went through a travesty and, and losing, you know, his wife uh, and, and family members. And so it, it, it was very difficult for him, and he had to go through the rigors of everything. And he came here balanced as well. And so now you got culture, you got understanding, you got championship pedigree, you know how to do it. You've been around very talented, great people like James Jones, Pat Riley, you know, being around him, uh, you know, Spolstra, watching him grow, playing with great players, LeBron. And you got Monty being around Popovich, so they knew. They had a blueprint, and they knew what to do. Uh, and the year prior to Chris Paul, they had gotten Ricky Rubio. And Ricky Rubio really was the first one to change the mindset because he, he got Devin Booker to play more without the ball and to trust his teammates and trust him that he'll still get Devin his 20 shots, but he's going to make sure all these other guys get there. Took that responsibility away from him. And in doing that, it really enhanced that. And it really made him see that's the key to winning. And going 8-0 in the bubble, and the Cotton used to always say this. Cotton used to say, look, if you finish a season in a good note, it will carry over to the next season. A lot of people don't understand that because it's five months in between, but that's not true. Because if you finish well at the end of the season, it's going to propel you to go out and work on your game more in the offseason because you're leaving on a good note. And then you're going to show up to training camp a better player. And so that's what they did. They went 8-0 in the bubble, almost made the play playoffs, and then they went home and they worked on their game. And they came back last year. Then with the addition, obviously, of Chris Paul, he took us to another level. And the drafting of Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, uh, picking up Cam Haynes of the world, uh, Dario Sharks, uh, all those guys, man, just propelled us last year, uh, you know. And and then this year, obviously, just the additions we've made, it's just carried over. We lost a tough finals, without a doubt. But And they didn't complain. Like, Chris Paul was playing with one arm. People didn't know that. Uh, Devin Booker pulled his hamstring after game two. He wouldn't know he's playing on one leg. And yet they still almost pulled a game or two out. And so – they, they showed up this year, man, saying, you know what? We know why we lost. 
and we're going to prove it this year. Right now, they're sitting with the best record. It's a joy to watch them play. They just play the game the right way. Not many teams can get beat up like they did the other night in Toronto on the offensive glass and still win the game. Yeah. But that's this team, man. They find a way to win. And right now, they're the best clutch team in the game. What a, You're a shooter. What, quickly, how long till Devin Booker was in there, just got drafted and comes in, how long till the organization, the people realize, oh, we, we have a star. A, you know, we just got better than even we thought we got. We got somebody to build around. How long did it take till people were like, oh, he's real? So as he started playing. Right off. That's, what I, that's what I recognize. I recognize. Um, he and, and Jeff wanted to say, you know, wasn't playing him a ton. Was trying to take him along that rookie road, which I agreed with. But you can see when he was out there, you could just, the tenacity he had, professionalism. He's a real deal, man. I mean, like he's a committed dude. He walked. He after he scored that. After he scored, I think he he broke one of uh, my records in Mexico, where I think the record for the Suns was like twenty five and a quarter, something like that. But well, he broke it, and he came in because we played two games. He sat next to me, and he looked at. Me. He called me jump shot. I said jump shot. What's going on? I'm like, good. Say yeah, I got that record. Huh? I'm like yeah, you did. But I got another one you won't get, right? And he looked at me. And I said, oh, by the way, Tom Chambers got one that you won't get either. So, yeah, you broke my record, but you, a couple of them you're not going to get. And he just looked at me. And just, okay. And walked away, right? A couple of weeks later, we're in Boston. He gets like, he got like 35 at halftime. <laughs> like, no, I think he had, no, I think he had maybe 30. It could have been, it was in the 30s. And so I'm doing the telecast. Everybody like, uh-oh, he going to get Tom Chambers back. Right? And I'm like, I think it's about 28, guys. I think it's about 28. Because here's, because this is how the story plays out. And so I said on telecast, well, he won't get my record. Because he got to get 43 and a half. God damn, Eddie. Well, he got it in the half. Second. <laughs> <laughs> so in one game, one game, he broke Tom's at 60, and he got me at 43. And while it was going on, he would walk past me, and he'd look at me. And I look at him, I say, you got 50. Okay. <laughs> Came back later, you got 60. <laughs> he said, I ain't done. And he wouldn't get set. 70. So I, I'm just telling you, man, he is, he's maniacal, man. He's got well, a Josh lot of, he this. idolizes Kobe. He's, but yep. he got a lot of Michael in him, too. Yeah. I mean, he, he really And his does. dad played. His dad yeah. played, Melvin played. But, you know, I, I'll piggyback on that for a second. I, had, I hadn't seen Devin. I knew nothing of him. I was uh, – this was in 2000. I think it was 14. Uh, would he have been – Josh is a Kentucky guy. We're Kentucky, big Kentucky people. Uh, Devin's freshman year was what year, Josh? 14, 15, right? The year right. we tried to not talk yeah. about. 
Uh, they got beat in the finals. 15, but 14, 15. 15, yeah. So I was down at Rupp Arena and the team was warming up. And I went down and sat by Kenny Payne on the bench. This is this is an hour before the game. So we're just sitting out there and we're watching guys. And I didn't know they had the Harrison twins on the team that were sophomores. Uh-huh. And they had Devin. And I'd only watch I'd watched Devin practice one day. And then I watched him out there, you know, going through some drills up and down the floor. And he just glided up and down. And I, I said, What about this kid? Because he he they were kind of he was kind of an afterthought at that point. Right. And I said to Kenny, I said, What about what about him? I like, I kind of like him. He said, yeah, if, if we're really good this season, he won't be around very long. <laughs> so he knew he said, you know, cause he, he's good. He was going to have to play. And the thing about it, he never complained once, obviously looking back, obviously he was better than those guys, the guys that he was playing behind. Yeah. He never complained. He's a good teammate. And I'm glad, really happy that people are starting to see just what a professional he is. And that's the key. He's just a professional, man. His teammates love him. He's very respectful of everybody. Uh, he just, you know, he's a class act, man. Yeah. And, uh, he's and He knows how I feel about him. I mean, he's one of my yeah. favorite players, uh, just in how he carries himself. Uh, and just his maniacal attitude, man. Like, right now, I mean, look, he's not playing like he should. But, you know, it's a long season. He had a long season last year, and so he knows he's not shooting the ball as well as he knows he will. Uh, I know he's, you know, in a sense, as as a veteran, he's learning how to cruise a little bit now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, but when you cruise, sometimes it can backfire on you. And I think he's in that rhythm now. He's trying to find himself, but he'll win it. And that's yeah. the beautiful part about it, guys. It's like he knows he can take a shortcut now and still win. Yeah. And that's what all the great players could do. Like, Rex, you know this. Like, when you played the Bulls back in the day, like people always want to say, well, you didn't never want Michael guard you. And, and, you know, he was all defense. I said, yeah, he was. I wanted him to guard me the first three quarters because he wouldn't guard me. He'd be chasing, trying to get chasing, shooting the gap, trying to get his numbers. All that I said, the guy didn't want guard me with Scott. Yeah, I said all day long. Now in the fourth quarter, would Michael say okay? Now that's another difference. That's another. That's another argument then. But the first three quarters, please, I wanted Mike guard me because he knew he wanted to go get his thirty-five too. And he hated chasing screens. He yeah. hated chasing screens. He was shooting the gap. He was cheating, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, you're exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, so but um, he learned how to navigate, and that's why they won. They they would, they would won six titles because he knew and learned how to navigate but still kept the persona that he's one of the greatest defenders ever, even though I'll give him 28 in the game. I'm like, oh, well, he, just, he, you know, he just had a bad night. Oh, me and Rex, me and Rex let a guy score 30 on us. They just can't defend anybody. <laughs> hey, does Devin have a does Devin have a nickname that stuck yet? A real nickname? Because uh, D Book is uh what I call him, but no. The, I, the, really, I, I really like the that the diabolical. <laughs> like that's what you called him, diabolical. Diabolical. So, yeah. Yeah, the diabolical Devin Booker. <laughs> Devin, <laughs> 
Michael Booker. I like that. You, you're in the position to start that up. I like it. <laughs> I might, I might, I might bring it up. Yeah, throw up. that out there. There you go. We'll, we'll you have to be at, careful when you get guys' nicknames because then they, their family is watching. Yeah, and their family doesn't like it. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like right. that. Yeah. Right. Well, then it won't. Well, you have, you have you know. to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they they know if they uh, if they don't like it, you can't say you don't like it because that's when it sticks. That's you right. just got to roll with it and let it go. Because if you're like, I don't want to be called the doughboy, boom, you're the doughboy <laughs> from then on out. So you got you got to be careful. Uh, uh, real, real quick, you you told the um, story about Isaiah. And then you alluded to that you had another story with Steph. And I, I can't let you go without, you know, you dropped that out there. I'd like, to, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I played, you know, I played with Charlotte in 94, 95. And, uh, well, was it 94, 90? Yeah, I think it was 94, 95. What was it? 90, yeah, it was. I went to Greece after I left Seattle in 93. Oh, right. So I came back, I came back and then I, 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 uh, no, they trade him. Here I am. I'm dating myself. I got traded from Seattle to Charlotte. So I played there in 94, 95 season. I went to Greece after Charlotte and then uh, went to Indiana. But that one year in Charlotte was probably, arguably, I've been on a lot of funny teams. Uh, but <laughs> that was the funniest team I'd ever been on in my life. Uh, Dell Muggs. Dell Muggs, Scott Burrell, Larry Johnson, Lonzo Morton. <laughs> David Wingate, uh, Frank Bukowski. I am, I'm telling you guys, it was not one day where we were on the floor laughing. Very close team. Guys really stuck together. And so, uh, so we had young kids. So, you know, my son was a little bit younger, I think, than Steph. Uh, but, you know, both. So we go Steph. I mean, go over uh, – Dale's house, and then, you know, the kids would be there. Kenny Gaddison, obviously, is on that team, very good friend. So our kids would be over there playing around everything. So Dale says, you know, why don't you go out in the driveway and play play stuff? I bet he can score on you. And I'm like, and I, I would see Steph down at the gym. He'd always be at the other end of the court practice. Yeah. I mean, he always was in the gym. Like, he wasn't in school. He was in the gym watching us practice. And so I'm like, please. So we go out to the driveway. And so we, I give him the ball. And just like Isaiah Thomas, he drains one from like 20 feet. So he's up. We play a game of like eight. You know, so he drains one. He drains another. Then you know, I get the ball, I, you know, lay up, messing around with him. You know, he's not that strong. So, yeah. And then he goes back out and he takes it to the street. Okay. And he starts making so now, game like eight, he got seven. <laughs> so I got like five. I'm like, I ain't letting this dude beat me. Went to the old man stuff again. Like, nah, nah, I went to the old man stuff, right? But I said, I said, and he was he was ticked off. Oh yeah. I said, no one is ever going to allow you to beat them. They're going to go to their arsenal like you went to yours. So just know that. He, he was ticked. He was right. mad. He was really mad. And so I reminded him of that, like, in the finals, because I'm always at the finals and stuff, interviewing mm -hmm. and stuff. And, I remember, he, he, and he remembered it. The first year I told him about it, he remembered it. And he just started laughing. But 
I walked away and I remember telling Dale, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I said, I'm in the NBA now, man. I'm like yeah. 34 years old, 33 years old. I said, that's ridiculous. What he just did. I know. And then we started right? laughing. And Seth was out there, and Seth was a little younger, so he wasn't strong. So, you know, but you see how good he is now. But yeah. uh when then after that, man, I would see him in the gym practicing and practicing. And I just try to tell these people, and I call them, in Rexco, I call people that get on my nerves, I call them stoops. Okay. When they get stupid, I don't say stupid, I call stoops. them stoops. Uh-huh. And they want to go back at me and stuff because I, because like, I heard what Bob Ryan said. I wish Bob Ryan would have explained it more thoroughly because I know what he meant, that stuff is not good for the game in that sense. Mm-hmm. Because he's perfection. Think of somebody that's perfection in regards to how they shoot that three. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's hard to reach that level. Like they've been trying to reach the level of Magic Johnson for them. They drafted six foot eight guys, six foot nine guys, put them at point. You got some guys that were decent, but nobody's ever duplicated Magic. Yeah. Nobody's ever duplicated Bird. They try to act like Doncic duplicate Burt Clips. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, they try to do, they never duplicated Kareem. All right. The sky hook. Okay. Nobody, I don't think, is going to come in the league like LeBron. That no six foot eight, run and jump like he does, command a game like he does. That ain't happening. There might be somebody that can run and jump at six eight, like Zion, but Zion's not taking care of himself like LeBron. Okay, so nobody's going to perfect LeBron. And so, and even though Kobe came close to MJ, he didn't perfect MJ. You know, so when you try to perfect perfection, it's tough. And you got a lot of guys that's out there trying to copy Steph. Trey Young's back down. Yeah. yeah. They thought Trey Young, he, he's back this game down because you can't duplicate that dude. And so, why are you chasing him? Because a lot of times you're not going to look good. Just like they tried to duplicate the way Golden State plays. Yeah. Holy, first you got to get three of the best shooters in the history of the damn game on your team to play that way. <laughs> you can't be like Houston chucking up 27 damn threes. No, you – okay, I mean, look. Look, it's, look Reggie Theus was a good-looking dude when he played. Okay? Like, Reggie walked in the room. And the girls is like, oh, 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 Reggie. <laughs> All right. Reggie used to wear the leather outfits and everything, uh-huh. even enhance his good looks, right? All right. There's a lot of guys start buying leather. They still didn't look like Reggie. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Point, point taken. I mean, point taken. so that's what Bob Ryan was trying to say. That's perfection, yeah. man. I mean, like, I'll never, we'll never see another dude shoot threes like him, man, with people climbing all over him, man. Off the and dribble. He's making that jump. Off the dribble. Yeah. Off the dribble, Eddie. <laughs> Amazing. So that, so hey. people look at it as a negative, but no, I group him with all the greats I just told you about. Yeah. You know, like, you, know, you can't duplicate that. I talk to Rick Barry all the time. Eddie, they need to do this. I say, Rick, nobody's ever going to be able to do that like you, man. Yeah. It just won't happen. Yeah. Like you all are special. Hold on to that unique thing that you have. And so that's how I view Steph. But he's amazing. 
fantastic. Eddie, we're going to have to let you go here in a second. Uh, the Suns are going to win it this year. If the Suns don't win it, who wins it? Who's the best team? Or who's the best team in the East? Milwaukee. Okay. And, and, and I would say Brooklyn, guys. But you, to me, and, and this is just my opinion, anything half-assed, you fail. Yeah. I was brought up like that, and I'm not going to change. If, if you're going to half-ass and have a part-time player, you're going to fit. Yeah. You got to be all in. You got to be in I the foxhole with me, man. If you're not in the foxhole with me, if you're not – look, you're willing to get on an airplane and fly, who, who says that damn airplane's not going down? You're willing to put ink on your body. You're willing to do a lot of things that would put your life in jeopardy. Okay. And so for that, if you're not all in and you're not playing and you're just showing up half the time, I just see problems happen. I see guys on the bench mad because, oh, I've had a good game at home and now I don't play on the road. You got to get through all that, that manure, man, that just normally as a basketball player you don't have to deal with. You just go ball. If you're healthy, you go ball. Yeah. And so for Brooklyn, man, that's what I see happening, man. I just don't – I don't foresee them being able to navigate this. They tried it last year. It didn't work. Milwaukee beat them. And I think Milwaukee beat them again. And they better hope Philadelphia doesn't find anybody for Simmons that they can put to MB next to him. And so that's who I'm picking, Milwaukee again. Right. And then it'll be Golden State and the Suns. I mean, I I, can, I have hope for the Lakers, man. But after watching last night again – I. It, I just <laughs> – hey, Eddie, Eddie, what's your take – I, I want to touch on that real quick. What's your take on AD right now at this stage of his career? I think AD – when Charles and I – when I, I went to Houston in my career and Charles was on that team with Dream and Clyde, I told Charles and Kevin – I told – and Kevin Willis told him as well. And I put Mario Elliott in that group because he had won a couple of times. I said, Charles. They already got there. I said, we have to push them. And you don't have to push Dream and Clyde that hard. Anthony Davis, he act like he's good. He got a title. He good. He, like, that's why it's so hard to win multiple championships. And they, those guys talk about that, like three-peating and all that. You got to have a maniacal attitude to push your body to lengths that you don't want it to go to. And I don't think Anthony – I think Anthony Davis, after they won that title, Anthony Davis has not been Anthony Davis. He had a bad year last year, statistically. His free throw percentage went down from the 80s and the 70s, and it's all because of concentration and toughness. Like, he doesn't want to get hurt. He wants to go through the motions and just survive. The one thing that I noticed, Eddie, you make a great point, uh, is that Anthony and we we're Kentucky guys. We've been we ride we we ride with Anthony. Right. Uh, the thing that I've seen the most over the last two years is he's a one effort. He's turned into a one effort guy. He he wants to shoot the jump shot. Yeah. Used to be if he he'll shoot it, go get it, and and his second and third efforts have sort of vanished. And you know, like I know as a player, a lot of times when you're doing that you're not in the best shape you can be in. And so that's what I wonder with him at this point. He's, it's inarguable. He's 
a great basketball player. I've said this on my show. And they've got to have him, they've got to have him healthy. Rex, I've said this on my show. I would tell AD to his face because again, as I told you earlier, I always give guys advice. I don't, I don't sugarcoat it. I never did as a player, but I had a balance of it all. I love Anthony Davis. I like, I like his character. His off the court. Uh, I can tell that he loves his teammates. Okay. I think he and Dwight Howard got into it because he's protecting a teammate. Right. Uh, I get all of that, but man, He's getting, the word around the league right now is you can punk him. Yeah, yeah. And when the word around the league, when it travels like that, yeah, you're seeing guys trying to punk him. You're seeing guys like hit him, go at him, not be intimidated by him anymore. And you can lose that power, man. You know, and I think that's what I see. I just think, you know, he was a ferocious guy for that, that year they won the title. But that ferociousness is gone. And for a lot of reasons, obviously, that he only knows. Uh, but that's why I don't give the Lakers much of a chance. Everybody want to blame Russ. You can go ahead and blame Russ. He doesn't look good. I get it. But Frank Vogel keeps putting him in the game like he did at the end of the game last night. And he, and he why did he do that? <laughs> you know? So <laughs> blame goes around on that team. I'm happy to see it. Trust me. I love LeBron. He's my favorite player, without a doubt. Uh, I ride down with that dude. I think he's, I, in my estimation, I'm, I never give anybody to go when they still playing. But like I said, stay tuned when he retires. Strong. strong words. I love it. Uh, Eddie, favorite movie? Favorite movie ever? Oh, man. Gee. That's a tough one, man. Uh, Redemption is up there. Uh, Training Day is up there. Scarface is up there. Uh, a fish called Wanda is up there. Yes, sir. Oh. Yes, sir. Uh, oh man, that is so big. That's good. That's good. That's great. That's good. That's good. That's good. But anytime Scarface on, I watch that. If you could have dinner with anybody, dead or alive, who would that be? Martin Luther King for me. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, nine-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid when he died, I was standing in Cabrini Green watching tanks roll through our neighborhood and people crying. Man. So, man. Yeah. Front row center concert for, for anybody. Front row center, uh, dead or alive, like a concert. A combination concert of Prince and Michael Jackson. Yes, <laughs> there we go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I come yeah. to that? I would like first. to come to that. I'd like to come to that, please. If you, if you work that out, I'd like an invite. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, thanks, man. We're going to let you go. Thanks for taking the time, bro. Hey, guys, uh, my pleasure, Stay man. safe you out know, there. Hey, Rex, you know, anytime, my man. That's awesome. Man, you can tell, man, these guys, he just loves you, loves respect you, yeah. love to play, loves you know, me. like. No. Why wouldn't you love playing against me? I was 6'4", he was 6'7". <laughs> yeah, scratched you up, too. He did. Scratched you all up. He did. All right. Uh, man, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, that was great. That was great. I mean, Eddie, I, I, couldn't you talk to him for the next three hours? You know what I love, too? Here he is in, employed by the, you know, the Suns, and he has his – but 
he's not afraid to say his opinions. He's like, look, no. this is what I think. I'm going to say it. He's not like, uh, better, you know, be a little uh, judicial here. I don't know. He's He says it like he thinks it. Eddie's top three, four in the league. That's why he's been doing this job with the Suns forever, because he's really good. I mean, and he takes it serious. What, what, what he was talking about, about being businesslike and having a plan, that's, that's Eddie Johnson. I mean, yeah. you knew you were in for a night. You better work out there or Eddie's going to get 30, 35 and talk shit to you. You know? Uh, just, and that's uh, how he uh, approaches his, his broadcasting, his obviously. Like, yeah. he is, he's business. Yeah. Like, his uh, name so would fun. be Eddie Business Johnson. Like, that's, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Maniacal Devin Booker. Uh, I like that. I appreciate I appreciate his openness. I mean, the whole stuff about being arrested. Uh, I remember when that happened. Mistakenly arrested. Mistakenly. I mean, that ruin your life. That oh, yeah. And it, again, it's a good friend of our Frankie Johnson's brother. Uh, you know, Fast Eddie passed away. Uh, was no, Had notorious drug problems for a long time. In and out of jail. Uh, had a lot of problems and when eddie johnson eddie arnett johnson was arrested for um it, it was with a young girl and sexual it, assault it, on a minor sexual Can you, on a, a minor i mean and, i can't imagine they arrested that's, him and took him to jail bad look yeah uh he's a he's a he's an inspirational dude uh, i'm glad he came on today yeah me too um, all right, Josh. Well, back in the saddle. Hey, buddy. Uh, Glad to be back. Episode 31 next week. We'll be back. Same time, same bat channel uh, on the Rex Chapman Show with super cool Josh Hopkins, powered by basketballnews.com.